Hello, I'm your host Albert, and in this episode of Movies, Movies, and Movies, I've got non-spoiler reviews for Jurassic World and Love and Mercy. I have an Amazon Prime movie streaming recommendation to share, and I talk about yet another social debate about sexism in movies. Jurassic World, directed by Colin Trevorrow, written by Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver, starring Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt. Jurassic Park was released in 1993. Since then, and after many CGI creatures have graced the movie screens, it's easy to feel unexcited by computer-generated dinosaurs. So it became the task of Jurassic World to once again make us care about seeing these extinct creatures on our movie screens. I have to admit, they succeeded. It was easy to dismiss any notion of excitement seeing these creatures again, but this movie brought dinosaurs to life again, and we're all the better for it. To keep things fresh in our eyes, there is a slow build-up to what the new dinosaur looks, and the little reveals here and there eventually leads up to a spectacular look at the Indominus Rex. As an adventure thriller, this is a fun movie, true and true. It's got the chases, the near-death situations, and many scenes of unsuccessful escapes. It's got a good sense of humor with some witty dialogue amid all the tense situations. It's got a good cast led by Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt, with some scene-stealing comedic moments by Jake Johnson. It has many crowd-pleasing moments that were very enjoyable to see play out, especially during the last act, where the audience I was with was clapping several times in approval. The nods to the first movie were also very welcome to see, and gave a sense of nostalgia and relief that this franchise is back once again. Now, despite the entertainment value of this movie, it does have its fair share of lazy storytelling. It undeniably retreads many familiar themes, plot points, and character motivations from the previous films. The cliches, the illogical plot situations, and convenient coincidences can get eye-rolling worthy enough that it might take people out of the movie. Just like the movie San Andreas, a lot of Jurassic World would be perfect for a drinking game. Thankfully, the Indominus Rex, the Velociraptors, and all the other dinosaurs are there to distract you from those issues. Speaking of the dinosaurs, a lot of them can be taken for giant animal pets. The raptors, for example, can be seen like big wild dogs, which only make things more emotional whenever you see a dinosaur dying from their wounds. Speaking of that, as expected, people die here. For some, it's visibly horrible how they die, and can be seen as possibly terrifying to a young child watching this movie. There's even one particular scene that I'm thinking of that seemed overly too gratuitous in how they killed off a particular character to the point like it was just for fun. Um, I didn't think so. On that note, Jurassic World may not have perfectly recaptured the initial magic of the first installment because it's hard to top seeing dinosaurs come to life the way they did in Jurassic Park. But it at least was able to show us once again that spark of imagination of believing that dinosaurs can be real today. Love and Mercy, directed by Pil Polad, written by Oren Moverman and Michael A. Lehner, starring Paul Dano, John Cusack, Elizabeth Banks, and Paul Giamatti. Based on the real-life story of Brian Wilson, circa the 1960s and the 1980s, this movie could easily have been a straightforward musical biopic. Thankfully, it's not. It made a creative decision of telling the story by jumping back and forth between the younger Brian Wilson, played by Paul Dano, and the older Brian Wilson, as played by John Cusack. This style of storytelling doesn't spoon feed his audience into what they are supposed to think of his life, and it might actually be a little too unapproachable to some. My suggestion would be to just let the story wash over you. This is a movie that is focused on relaying emotions more than it's trying to just give you the straight details of those time periods. Paul Dano is an actor who wears his expressions on his face very heavily, which makes him the perfect person to play the younger version. 
This was a time period where Brian Wilson was starting to experience his mental issues, and Dano successfully shows those emotions of how scary it was for him to try and balance a normal yet creative life, even though he might be on the brink of having a mental breakdown. The scenes of the past should be a really fun look for people that are huge fans of the Beach Boys, as they almost seem like mini documentaries to when they were creating some of their very iconic songs. John Cusack is fantastic as a more subdued and withdrawn older Brian Wilson. This is someone who have practically reverted back to having an almost childlike personality because of his fear of going crazy and because of all the heavy medication that he is under. There's a very subtle style of acting that Cusack is doing here that it is the opposite of the more flasher Dano, but it equally relays important moments in Brian Wilson's psyche. Elizabeth Banks is great as Melinda, the one person whom Brian finds comfort in being around. She in many ways is a surrogate character for the audience as she learns things about Brian the same time we do. She thankfully does and says the things that we would as well. Paul Giamatti is also great as Eugene Landy, the man who kept Brian under his thumb. Landy is at his most scariest when he's screaming at Brian Wilson or any other character. Giamatti becomes this intimidating character you don't want to be around with. Despite the life story of Brian Wilson and the origins to his music, there is a particular theme that I've noticed in this movie. It's about the struggles of trying to be true to yourself, especially when faced with oppressive authority figures and other people who simply can't share your perspective. There's definitely a heavy melancholic tone throughout this movie because of that theme, and that's in contrast to the uplifting music of the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson's solo work that is wonderfully used as a soundtrack to this film. If you didn't know much about Brian Wilson, then this story will really help you understand who he is. Love and Mercy is a very enlightening and inspiring movie that maybe just want to reach out and give Brian Wilson a hug. For my movie streaming recommendation, I'm recommending The Spectacular Now on Amazon Prime. Directed by James Ponsalt, written by Scott Newstater and Michael H. Weber, starring Miles Teller and Shailene Woodley. I may be a little bit hyperbolic, but this movie is probably up there as one of the best coming-of-age dramas I have ever seen. This isn't some typical romanticized ironic-filled cliché of what it's like to be a high school teenager that is on the verge of entering the real world as a young adult. This story treats all the characters and their relationships with each other respectfully and also has a theme that carefully bounces out that live-in-the-now attitude the young people have, plus the harsh reality and consequences of the real world. Miles Teller is absolutely fantastic in the lead role of Sutter, successfully portraying that fun, charming guy who thinks he is absolutely at the highest point in his life but has personal problems that he is trying to ignore and hide. Shailene Woodley is absolutely adorable and sympathetic as Amy, who is simply happy that she got the attention of the popular guy, who might also be the worst thing that could happen to her. The whole cast is excellent and the movie had many small but big scenes that used them spectacularly. Based on the novel by Tim Tarp, The Spectacular Now is one of those movies that I honestly think is important for every high school teenager to watch, as well as just about anyone who thinks that an ideal future dream life seems to be unattainable. The Spectacular Now, watch it on Amazon Prime. It seems like every other week, I'm talking about some kind of social issue complaints towards a movie. There was the Mad Max Fury Road feminist propaganda complaints, Aloha had the Emma Stone playing a quarter Hawaiian complaints, and now we've got complaints about sexism with Jurassic World. This was brought to attention by none other than director-writer Joss Whedon of Avengers, Firefly, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer fame. He saw the trailer for Jurassic World where Owen, as played by Chris Pratt, is explaining how relatable velociraptors can be to his female boss Claire, played by Bryce Dallas Howard. Joss Whedon said that he is, and I quote, Wishing this clip wasn't 70s-era sexist. She's a stiff. He's a life force. Really? Still? If you look at the trailer, did it seem like Bryce Dallas Howard was playing a frigid and prissy female character? 
Honestly, I myself thought it kind of did. Of course, this is only through the context of the trailer and not the movie. Bryce Dallas Howard was nevertheless saddened by the comment as Whedon is one of her personal heroes since he is known to have done so much for women in TV and movies. She did say that she understood why Whedon said what he said because it was seen out of context. She's confident that the character speaks for herself in the movie and after seeing the movie myself, I can say that she is definitely more the proactive female hero than the uptight authoritative figure she seemed to be in the trailer. Director Colin Trevorrow also agrees that Whedon understandably reacted to a clip that was out of context. To quote what Trevorrow said, the real protagonist of the movie is Claire and we embrace her femininity in the story's progression. There's no need for a female character that does things like a male character. That's not what makes interesting female characters in my view. Claire's story arc is definitely something to root for and is neither a sexist or even a feminist thing. She's just simply a character that rises up to the occasion when faced with a disaster. Joss Whedon did in fact say that he regrets saying what he said and said that it was bad form of him to do so. He still feels the clip was problematic and the situation definitely shows why. We've all seen good and bad movie trailers. In the case for the Jurassic World trailer, that particular exchange between the two characters was definitely something that maybe Universal shouldn't have bothered using at all. Even Trevorrow questions why they have to use that clip in the trailer. So it turned out that the problem isn't about sexism in movies. The problem is bad decisions being made in what is shown in the movie trailer. At least unlike a lot of trailers out there, the Jurassic World one doesn't spoil the whole movie. Thanks for listening. My name is Albert Patrick and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Albert5x5. You can send comments to whowhatwearswhy at gmail.com, via social media, or through whowhatwearswhy.com, where you can also find written movie reviews and other podcasts. Rate and subscribe to our shows on iTunes. Check out our merchandise through the Zazzle store and further support us via Patreon. Music has been provided by The Y Axis. Find them at theyaxis.bandcap.com. Until next time, this has been an episode of Movies, Movies, and Movies, which is part of the whowhatwearswhy.com network.